Yeah. So I've just been chan- I've just been kind of chilling. I'm uh, it was a pretty long one. It was like six weeks, almost seven weeks. Yeah, I was just looking at it, and I mean, how did it feel coming off of such a long break to going straight into a two month tour? Oh, it was. Uh, I mean, like the shows were so good that it didn't like it. It was so strange because it was like one of those tours where like. I didn't feel shot for once, you know, like when you tour so long, you're like, fuck, I'm shot. I don't want to do this anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just like, I feel like everybody goes through that with their social battery or like just in general, you're like, fuck dude, I'm toasted. Like not one day did I really feel like that, which was crazy. Is it just because the shows are just so good themselves? Um, I think so. And like, also when you're on like a tour of that caliber, also like you're playing the markets that are really good and you're playing like, the big venues it's like it feels so much better than to when you're in like a i don't know like when you're in kind of like smaller cap venues you're like because usually we'll play like 300 400 cap venues and like you know we'll do very well but it's like when you're playing fucking house of blues it's a different it's different you know what i mean like you obviously you definitely know what i mean (laughs) yeah i mean having uh, your own green room and cater like good catering and all that is such a huge difference Oh yeah, man. Like, I mean, it's like when you play like the smaller venues, like obviously like there, you can get your green rooms, but it's like, they're nothing in caliber (laughs) to like, like I said, like a, like a fucking house of blues. It's like, you look, you go in the green room and it's like a hotel room. It's insane. So it's like, it's just like, it's easier to not feel super shot. And then also every single venue had showers and laundry machines and everything like that. So it was like, I think that that takes a lot of the, the uh oof, i don't even know how to explain it like the um you know like you just feel a lot less uh constantly drained like you pull up to a venue and you're like oh it's shitty <laughs> <laughs> like you didn't yeah i did like i didn't feel like that on any of the venues i was like holy shit here's another giant theater like looks great yeah <laughs> when it's like in the small rooms there's a lot of random crap that you have to deal with on a day-to-day basis that at somewhere like house of blues you don't have to because they have their crap together yeah well i mean like literally every show there was staff and loaders and everything like that which is like obviously when you're when you're doing i i don't know like when you're when you're averaging like three four hundred people like you know like when the shows are averaging like seven eight nine hundred people it's like they have the staffing and like they kind of put you on a on more of a priority than something else like like a tour of that level which i mean yeah. like not saying that i don't love touring at the level that we tour at because we do very well it's just like it's crazy when you're on a tour of that caliber and it's like holy shit like everybody has their shit together it's awesome <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> i mean we the one of the last tours we did in europe was with eskimo cowboy and attila um it was just yep. us three and the in germany and mainland europe we're doing like three thousand capacity rooms like the the green rooms were like freaking like lofts they were like houses yeah it's like a venue itself yeah (laughs) it was awesome yeah and crazy yeah it's just nice to be taken care of it's nice to get off stage go take a shower and you feel clean you know exactly dude that was like the big thing was like holy shit like I don't have to wait two hours to get to a loves. Like we can just shower right here and, and change. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And there's towels everywhere. Holy shit. 
and water crazy in the fridge. Man. It's crazy. Yup, dude. Oh my god. It's like it makes a world of difference. But like we had toured since October and we did really well on that one. We did the headliner. It was us, boundaries, left to suffer, and mouth for war. And that tour did really, really, really well because we hadn't toured in two years. So we were kind of like, well, or is, is it, how's this going to go? And like, I mean, we ended up selling out like 15 or 16 of the shows that we did. So it was really, really awesome. So yeah, was touring tour. after COVID better than touring before COVID for you? I mean, so the way like COVID, what really sucked was like with the whole like pandemic thing was that like we had released an album and we did our headliner for the album. We got home and then like two days later, everything shut down. Yeah. So like those shows were pretty fucking good, too. But um, the fact that we kept releasing music over COVID because we released a bunch of singles um, that like really helped us because we grew like twice to triple the size which was crazy because like a lot of our peers stopped doing shit like they just stopped or they broke up or whatever so it was like it was cool because we just like continued our momentum and then when we did that tour it was just like crazy like i think the supports definitely helped like i mean like we took left to suffer and that was a good really, really good hype yeah and then we had fucking boundaries and i don't know if you've ever listened to that band but that band is like the best metalcore band. Like they're insane, dude. They sound like an early two thousands like trust kill band. They're 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 awesome. And um they they ended up pulling a lot of their weight, man. Like we would we would uh we were we were very like thankful that we had good supports and then also like we had no shows where there was like giant walkouts or anything like that. It was yeah. literally like we would play and then like everybody would stay. And it's like, Holy shit. Like this is unheard of. There's still 400 <laughs> fucking people here. Yeah. And <laughs> if you're getting good support at a level that like you guys or the Browning or anyone in that kind of mid tier touring level, it's really hard to get supports that actually draw heads. Yes. Because I feel like also on top of that is that, um, like, for instance, you can be huge on the internet, but like it doesn't mean shit if you can't fucking yep. pull 20 people. You know what I mean? Yep. So it was like, um, it was really awesome being able to like take, take bands out that were like also very appreciative. Like they were all very appreciative and like it was really cool to just like, I don't know, just have a, have a tour package that was like, oh my God, like all these guys actually want to be here. They're all stoked. Everybody was making money. Everybody was selling merch. So it was like, hell yeah, like this is awesome. Yeah. And um, so that tour was really good. It did really good for us. Um, it allowed us to obviously, once we did our numbers and everything like that, it allowed us to get really good, really good tours. Obviously, like, I mean, we just got off tour with Dying Fetus. So it's yeah. like, it's, it, you can't really ask for much more. And that was our second, that was our second tour with Chelsea Grin. So that was cool. Um, and then we have basically we were supposed to do the Europe tour with Carnifex and Chelsea Grin at the beginning of this year and due to like the restrictions and everything like they basically they pushed it back. So now we leave in November for that. Sweet. So you guys are full um, tour schedule. Yeah, we actually have uh, a tour that we're announcing here pretty soon. Like it's literally going to be like any day now. Uh, then we have another one right after that. And then we have Carnifex, Chelsea Grin and Europe. And then we are trying to do stuff early next year, but 
it's kind of we'll see how it goes yeah <laughs> and so the but, the two-year break it didn't really get your band settled into another way of life that it's hard to get back out on there or has this been difficult to go full-time again no definitely like i think um what really helps is like um like i said like being able to continuously put out music was like such a big thing for us to like we kind of like stayed in the mindset like we 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 were filming videos every like yeah. you know a couple months or whatever and then we were also recording our new full length that just came out like what a month or two ago two months ago maybe so when we were doing that it was like it kept us in the mode gotcha um but what did suck is that since I wasn't used to conditioning my voice so much because we were touring so heavily, dude, like I was literally, we've been touring. Um, literally I I've been in the band since like the inception, like I'm the only original member and I was touring literally from like 19, 18 years old to literally like the end, like the start of the pandemic. Like yeah. I was touring every fucking year for like six to seven months every year grinding. So it was like when I had a big break like that, it was like really refreshing for me because like, you know, obviously I love touring and I love the band and I love playing shows, but it was like, holy shit, dude, am I ever going to get a break? Like, <laughs> uh, like, you know what I mean? Like my social battery and like, just like my battery in general was very like, oh my God, I've done this for six years, seven years, like, holy shit. And then we were able to have a little bit of a break and then start to miss it and go, damn, I really, I want to tour again. So it was cool to be able to come back to it and everything. But like I was saying with that in regards of touring so much is that taking such a long time off, like we were recording singles here and there. Yeah. But then when we started recording the full lengths, my voice was not as conditioned as it once was like when we were touring so much. Cause like when we recorded this heavy void, like the album prior to the one we just dropped, um, I was doing like, dude, like we recorded like four or five songs a day, like for a couple of days, like I was busting them out and my voice could take it. And then for bleed abide, which is the new album, I dude, like I, I was doing like one to two songs and my voice was toasted. Yep. So I had to, I actually took vocal lessons, dude. Like <laughs> I, I straight up was like, dude, like I can't, I can't. Like, what is even happening? Like, I can't do vocals. And um, so I had a couple of friends that had recommended me this guy. I'm pretty sure you you probably know who he is. It's the Extreme Metal Institute guy is David. Yeah. Uh, so I actually, um, Ricky Hoover from Suffocate, and he's in that band of Sulphur now. Uh, he, rec- he recommended him to me. And I was like, hey, man, uh, I I can't. Like, I don't have the stamina that I had at one point and I don't have the my, my vocals are just not holding up anymore. Like, I can't do vocals for 10 songs in a row anymore. And so um, he was like, you should go and hit this guy up and email him and tell him that I, I sent you or whatever. And I was like, eh, I'm kind of on the fence about that. I don't know. And then I asked a couple other friends and they were all like, dude, David, David, go to David. And I'm like, all right, fine. So I got a hold of him and we did a couple sessions where basically he was like, all right, well, obviously, you know what the fuck you're doing already. Like you're not, you've been touring for so long. Like you kind of already know what you're doing. Uh, but like, could you show me how you do vocals? And like, like even like, I don't care if it's cringe, like just show me how you do vocals, like do vocals real quick. And I'll tell you what, 
you need to like basically do like what what's going on with your body and why you're not able to like your voice is not conditioned anymore or whatever so um basically it was it was crazy man like i've never like thought about doing vocals ever before (laughs) yeah like i was like nah i know what i'm doing i've been doing this for so long like whatever and um i took lessons with him and he was like hey man you're doing this and you're doing that and you're gonna fuck yourself up and i was like oh all right (laughs) and then um yeah he just like he pointed out things that like i had never noticed like he's like you tense up way too hard when you do vocals and you push very hard and i was like yeah and he's like well um if you do that your vo- your body is taking the hard way. You're you're not doing it the easy way. You know what I mean? Like he's like you're giving your body only the hard way. So your body is is working to fucking do vocals. And I'm like, okay, I guess that makes sense. And he basically taught me to just relax and not do, not basically instead of giving 125 percent every time, give give like 50 percent or 60 percent. And it really helped me a lot because I was able to jump back into touring and like was able to get a grasp on it tight again, because like that was something that was really worrying was I was like, Oh shit. Like what if now that I've had this long of a, of a break that I just can't like, what if I've just completely lost the opportunity to, to be the singer that I was, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm right there. uh, Like, currently because we go on tour in uh like less than two weeks now and i pretty much haven't done vocals the whole time besides when i recorded our record and um, i feel like i've really procrastinated here when i should not have (laughs) uh yeah i'm not conditioned well see the thing that really helped me as well is that he gave me a lot of like exercises too and it did help me a lot like i'm not I'm never one to be like, yeah, guys, you know what? I need, I need help. But like, I, <laughs> it really did help me a ton. And, um, basically I just, I, I practice, I started practicing again. Like I stopped practicing vocals after years of Definitely. just touring. Like, I don't know. I just, I, I never had done like, all right, I'm going to start doing vocals in my bedroom. You know yeah, what I mean? Like I, I stopped I never doing do shit that, like that. <laughs> I stopped doing that. And then like, I had to, because like, I was going on tour and I literally, I, you know, like I had to, I didn't have the tours to lean on for my constant, um, my constant, that was my practice. You know what I'm saying? Like I didn't have the, the constant conditioning of touring. So I had to basically start doing that again. I was doing vocals for like an hour a day and it really helped me because then when we were playing shows again, I was like, Holy shit. Like I'm able to, I'm able to do vocals again longer and do this and whatnot. So um, there was that. And of, of course, like the first tour back, you're going to blow your voice out again. But I mean, <laughs> you haven't done it for years. So it's like it's it's something that I think the fans definitely understand. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't think anybody's really like, oh, this band sucks because their their singer can't sing after three years. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. totally understandable. And it does suck because like. The last tours we did was by far the best I ever felt about my voice. I thought I I was sounding perfect, and I went into the record, and it was the best vocals I ever had on record. And um, actually, right now on my drive, because I just drove into Dallas, I was like, you know what? I'm two weeks out. I'm gonna like blow my voice on purpose right now so that I can heal it before the tour starts. Yes, 
And so that's my strategy. Sense. I'll see if it works. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I would, I would say definitely like at least try to do vocals for like 30 minutes a day. If you can, yeah. even if it's just like, dude, like you even just do like five songs of your set. Like it's better than not doing it because like I, I am King procrastinate, unfortunately. <laughs> and when I actually did prepare, I was like, Oh my God, like it actually made a fucking difference. But I was also extremely anxious, dude. Like to get back to that question of like, did you get too comfortable? Like not being on tour or whatever. It was like, dude, like I got so anxious. It was so crazy. Like I think everybody, I think everybody did for their first show. I am, like, I did. I'm freaking, I've never been stressed about touring. I've never been nervous to any degree, but I'm kind of like really stressing right now. <laughs> we're two weeks out. Oh yeah, man. I freaking freaked out, dude. We were playing a sold out show in the Orpheum or not Orpheum, uh, crowbar in Tampa. And it was our first show in over 360 something days. Yeah. No longer than that. It was like 600 days. Cause yeah. it was two years. So it was like our first show in like 600 and something days. And, uh, you know, boundaries was playing and I was like glued to a table. So anxious. <laughs> It was crazy, man. I was like, holy shit, I don't know if I can play. And then obviously we got on stage and uh, it just kind of like the adrenaline hit. And then I was obviously playing, did but the, it was so the, strange. Did the, because uh, to me, my lyrics and everything, I never think about it when I'm on stage. It all just kind of second nature just happens. Yes. Did that it's happen like for you? Memory. You got on stage and it's just good to go. Uh, yeah, I think what happens is like, I mean, I even do this. I've always done this is that if I'm ever any, any degree of like nervous, I'm like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. I'm nervous. I'm nervous. I'm nervous. And then we fucking play a, the first breakdown, like, I don't know, 30 <laughs> seconds in or whatever. And then yeah. I'm like, all right, I'm good. It doesn't yeah. matter. I'm fine. So yeah. it just kind of comes to you. I feel like it just like, obviously like, I, I feel like as soon as the adrenaline takes over and like the muscle memory comes back, you're, you're, you're completely fine. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely going to be an interesting thing. Like, you know, pretty much for the past two and a half, th three years, I've just been around my daughter and my wife. That's it. But then yep. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to walk out on the stage in front of a couple hundred people. And it's going to be a strange feeling again. It's weird to even think about it. Dude. It's the weirdest thing ever because like, it's, something that we have gotten very used to, but it's like an unfamiliar feeling now. And that's what I really hated about it was that it was like, yo, what the fuck, Kyle, you did this for six years before dude. Yeah. Like, why are you feeling this way? It was just so scary for whatever reason, but you know, you do that first tour back and then you're like, all right, I think we're, I think we're good. Yeah. And I'm what really helped with that. Uh, oh, oh go ahead. I was going to say that I'm actually doing this first tour to determine when and where the second tour would be. So I'm like waiting to prep the second tour to see how this first one goes. Just in case. <laughs> Just in case. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I think what really helped too is like we did that, we did that tour and we were, I forget where we were. Oh, crap. I think it was maybe right after the boundaries tour, our headliner. I know we did the headliner and then we, uh, okay. Yeah. So it was the headliner and then we came home 
and I think we had filmed a music video. It was for Wired for Destruction. I don't remember when we filmed that. I want to say it was like sometime in December, but I don't know. I'm I'm horrible with time frame, but uh, I know we filmed the music video. And as we were flying back, we got the offer for um, we did that short run with uh, in the UK. It was ingested uh, Cranius, us and this band Bound in Fear. And that was in the UK. So we flew over to the UK. And that was a I think it was slightly under two weeks. It was like eight days, nine days. But like with to account for travel it was like two weeks. So we did that. And then we got home and then I think like <coughs> two weeks later, we left for um, diabetes, Chelsea grin. So it was like, uh, it was good to have the, the pre, it was like the practice before tour. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, uh, it was awesome. And that was like the best we had played. Like I remember cause after the headliner, we were like, damn, like that was awesome. We're ripping. But like it still feels really odd. And then we went to the UK and we toured, we did that short tour, and it was like, holy shit, we're playing better than we ever played. Yeah. <laughs> it's just weird how it, it was it was weird how it worked out. It was just like, oh my God, like now that we've got the grasp back on it, like we're playing way better. So Yeah, I mean, and it that's kind of how I feel it's gonna be as well. And so it's good to hear that you guys had it like that. But I don't know if I'm gonna come back with so many tours like straight up but we'll see how it goes i mean even just yeah considering my my wife and my baby like seeing how that's gonna go like just as far as how everyone feels and if everyone's comfortable with it and whatnot yeah definitely and uh how did it feel like because i saw the dying fetus chelsea grin and you guys like i saw the lineup and obviously like death metal fans are known for being purists or oh, elitists yeah. or whatever so yeah. how was it as a core band touring with something like dying fetus? It was awesome. So like basically cause the two, the two bands right before us, uh, this band Undeath from New York, they're like a straight up like death metal band. Like they're awesome. Uh, and then there was this band frozen soul and they just got, they just got onto century media, I think, or mm -hmm. whatever label they're on right now. Uh, and they're also pretty awesome. And then, there was us, Chelsea Grin, Dying Fetus. So it was very weird because we were like the two odd men out. Yeah. But like we we both were drawing a lot. Like us and Chelsea Grin were, were seeming to draw a lot of like core kids. Yeah. So it was pretty cool. It was like a very good mix. And like we were expecting the death metal kids to like fucking hate us. And that didn't end up being the case because it was like we were put in front of a lot of people. Obviously, that wouldn't have given us a chance. And so it was like. I guess the way that you present yourself and the way that like, if you're just like as optimistic and fun as you can be, like people will have fun. They'll give you the chance. You know what I mean? So was it was it like, an older crowd? Uh, I mean, there was some, definitely some older heads, but like there was also some younger kids as well. Like there was some, uh, there was some younger like death metal kids, but um, it was really cool because like a lot of older heads did come up to us afterwards and they were like, Hey man, like I would have never listened to you or given you the chance, but you guys fucking rip. Yeah. And it was like, wow, like we've actually won over a lot of people. Like it was really cool. Like I had been stopped. I, I got stopped probably every single night by at least three or four people that were like, Hey, don't listen to core music, but you guys are heavy. And it was like, well, that's cool. Like that's great to hear that people are willing to like give shit a chance, well, especially, especially if it's live. right in front of you. Yeah, yeah, of course. I think seeing it live and being kind of in a setting where like you 
you almost have to see it is like it, it's it's prime for finding new bands like some people like to be the the very closed-minded like i'm not even gonna give this band a chance <laughs> sort of people and those people could eat a dick but like <laughs> for the most part a lot of people were like whoa i'm surprised i like this and it's like yeah, we play slams and breakdowns. Guess who else plays slams and breakdowns? <laughs> Dying fetus. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I've and, always I've always hated that argument about breakdowns and how people think they're boring. Like my brother was always talking crap on breakdowns, but like Lamb of God was his favorite band. I said, What's your favorite part of Laid to Rest? It's just a big breakdown. Yeah, it's the breakdown. Or like <laughs> anybody that talks crap about breakdowns. Like they're like, Oh, breakdowns are dumb, breakdowns are boring. And I'm like, Oh yeah? You like dying fetus and they're like yeah and i'm like all right why don't you go listen to wrong one to fuck with and go listen to rain supreme and, and yeah. come back to me no oh there's breakdowns and slams and i'm like yeah <laughs> and yeah. there's two-step riffs dude exactly and i mean like heavy music i think that really if you, you can enjoy it in any live setting because the live setting is obviously where it thrives and so yeah i mean sure. we even we played a show with dying fetus and goat whore it was a random date uh like leading to a tour but we're like a synth metal band playing with dying fetus and goat whore and the crowd was fine yeah <laughs> yeah man i think that in a live setting uh, as well and then obviously like i said like when you are able to be very like like the way that you present yourself and you're like you are very confident and shit like that. People yep. will feed off of it and be like, hell yeah. <sighs> yeah. And I mean, I think that, I think how we were talking earlier about being nervous and about being anxious a little bit about it. Um, yeah. Really. I, I say it all the time to younger bands or bands that are getting up there. It's like that are nervous to look silly. I'm like, they would rather you look stupid and crazy than stand there nervous and not give it everything you got. And so it's exactly. same with confidence, get on stage and just be confident, be aggressive and people are going to enjoy it. It doesn't matter if you look silly or not. Yeah. Just rip it, dude. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree. It's definitely like the more confidence and the more you take yourself seriously in the sense of like, if you take yourself seriously, like, yes, we are a badass man. And like, we know we're fucking badass. Like people will be like, yeah, they're, they're badass. <laughs> Like that's, that's just how it works. Yeah. And I mean that, that tour definitely just, uh, it's just so interesting to see more core bands going out with more death, death metal bands. I mean, they're really so similar and really, I think that it's important for core bands to be able to get like an older fan base if possible, because older fans do bring money with them. Like it's, it really is a big difference and they really support a lot more monetarily with merch or CDs or anything like that. And so I think it's important to do tours like that. Yeah, I agree. I agree completely. I think playing in front of people that normally would not give your band a chance is the best thing that you can do. Um, because obviously we've played in front of the deathcore crowd a million times. We've played in front of the, uh, we've played in front of a lot of slam crowds too. Like we, we have toured with like slam bands and stuff and we've toured with fucking metalcore bands. And it's like all the, all the shit that we normally would have toured with, um, is, you know, like we kind of, we toured outside of our outside of where we would draw people, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So it was like, it was really beneficial towards us. And, um, I think that more bands should do that. Yeah. I mean, the most beneficial tours 
that we've ever done in the states were with mushroom head we did two mushroom head tours and they were so sick. nice yeah that's a great that's a great fucking that's a good tour because you're gonna draw people that are kind of outside of the norm of heavy music yeah. like then obviously it's still a heavy band but like it's you're gonna draw people that wouldn't listen to i guess would you say the that extreme of music no yeah like like i feel like it's it's uh yeah like you're gonna draw like like people that have never they don't have any sort of like uh like they don't they don't have like a tie to it you know what i mean like they're they're not they're like who is this band like i have no (laughs) idea who this is (laughs) well the stuff i love about tours like that is um a couple things like my thought with doing mushroom head was if mushroom head still has fans coming to support them these are dedicated people like they are people that have been yes. going to mushroom head shows for 30 years and so i want those dedicated people as my fans yes that's exactly what you want yeah and then you're, also you're gonna want it's good Go to be the heavy band on a package yes a hundred percent I think I think being able to be the heaviest band or at least something that's going to bring something that no one else has is so beneficial to you. Especially with the younger crowd, like heavy kid, like I feel like a lot of kids, I mean, at least this was my progression. I mean, maybe other people are different, but like when I was going through high school or like when I made the transition from like middle school to high school, it was like I started discovering bands that were heavier and heavier and heavier and heavier. And like, that was what was so exciting to me was I was like, oh my God, like time to go on total death core and <laughs> check out the new band. You know what I mean? And yeah. then I would find 10 new bands and go like, holy shit. Like this is the, the like, this is so exciting. You know what I mean? Like it, it's, it's the, uh, the joy of finding something new that like you, you haven't been exposed to yet, I guess. Yeah. And like, I think being on like a softer tour or like not necessarily a softer tour, but like bands that just aren't as heavy as you yeah. is so sick because like all those kids that are looking for that are going to be blown away. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Cause they, they think that, you know, you know, we came as Romans is the heaviest band they've ever heard, you know? Yep. And then you come out swinging and they're like, <laughs> Oh my God, who is this? Exactly. <laughs> and so from that perspective of like being able to find something new, like what do you think it is, especially with the kind of music that body snatcher is in the scene that body snatcher is like, how can a band like body snatcher get to creating something that's something new that can take you guys to another level or um, like get more like visibility in the scene? Because I, yes, I feel like, like the that genre is just like not shot, but it's, it's very, very boring in uh, the sense of like the grand scheme. Now every band has something unique, but what can like body snatcher do to go to another level as opposed to other bands? That's a good question. So, um, I think what really helped us a lot on the newest album or just even with the newer members that we have. So like we went through a lineup change in like 2017 ish, 20, 2018, I think actually, so we went through a lineup change and we picked up a couple guys that are from older bands. Right. Mm-hmm. So they were playing Deathcore in the early, early 2010s, early, early 2000s. So a lot of people that wrote that style of Deathcore are either no longer involved in the scene and, or they just are not, they don't, they're not writing that same sort of style. And I think Deathcore as a genre has 
has changed quite a bit, like as far as the sound wise, the fans, the, uh, the songwriting and just like everything like that. And, um, with our album, this heavy void, uh, we wrote it pretty much like the style that we wanted it to be, where it was like, we wanted to kind of sound like an older band, like take a lot of those influences and whatnot, but still write the lyrics to be like very real things. Like the, the, the thing about the band has always been like life experiences about like betrayal and like family stuff and like things that are like kind of hard and hard to talk about and like hurt, you know what I mean? To talk about like things that aren't the easiest things. So that's always been like a theme of the band. But like when all the guys joined, it was like, we wanted to like hyper-focus on that a bit more. And then also like write our sound to be something that was like far away from like the whole down tempo thing, because we started as like a down tempo deathcore band, like very slow. And like, just like it was, it was cool at the time, but then like it started to die. So like, it was, it was very beneficial. Like anyway, when we picked up new members, because it was like fresh, fresh minds and fresh hands. So like when we wrote the new album, uh, like I said, like this heavy void, it was like, we wanted it to kind of sound like what we thought deathcore was anyway. But then the newest album that just came out like a month or two ago, we basically took all the influence from like bands like Molotov solution and like Abacab King conquer, like all the old early 2010s bands. And we basically just tried to like emulate that because we feel that like deathcore has very, like, like you said, it's become very boring and like watered down and like, it's not what it was at one point. And we basically want to play what we want to play and be refreshing and different as we can. If that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think nostalgia is a massive thing in metal and metalcore and deathcore and everything. I think everyone still listens to albums that are now like, you know, 12 years old. I think that's the most popular era. Yeah, I I agree with that. I think uh, nostalgia helps. Um, I also think like, like I, like I said, like everything being watered down and whatever, like, I think that playing a slightly different variation of it is going to make you stand out than just being the same carbon copy band of 10 other bands. You know what I mean? And what, how do you think, like, what is the slight variance that bands can possibly have? A lot of people that listen to this podcast are band, like smaller bands, local bands, people that are starting to come up or try to do it. Like, how can they be different enough like what is it what is even possible to add now you know damn what a good question you have some good questions dude (laughs) (laughs) i like i was like damn i answered that question good and then you just like came at me with another question that's really good dang um i would say the best way to make yourself stick out is if there's already five bands in your scene that that sound the same don't do the same thing that they're doing because it's good. All you're going to do is you're going to meld together with all those bands. You know what I'm saying? Like when we first came out, like obviously I'm not going to name any names or anything like that, but this is just an example. It's like when we came out, uh, we came, we came out around the same time as like our homies and traders. Right. Yeah. So when that happened about 20 Florida bands popped up, that sounded just like us and traders and traders is, was very down tempo too. (laughs) Yes. Yes. We were, we were all, we were all that same style, yeah. but what it did was it just oversaturated our scene and then nobody gave a fuck. Like yeah. the only bands that people gave a fuck was us two. And then everybody else was like, ah, well those bands are just like copying them. And it was like, 
damn, like you can't even like give these guys chances. Cause I like, I'm obviously, I try to be friends with everybody and like, I'm like, damn bro. Like this band is good, but like, you know, like people are just overlooking it because they're playing the same thing as us. Yeah. So it's like, if you can, if you can try and mm, that's a fucking good question. Well, Cause dude. the thing God is damn. people are going to just, it's natural for people to go to what's already popular. And so right. if there's already a popular version of the music you're playing, people are going to listen to yes. the more popular version. Yes. So I think, uh, Ooh, what's a good example. Like, don't necessarily like go to, to copy somebody, but definitely like, huh? Dang. How do I answer that? It's like, that's such a tough question, man. It is. It's the ultimate question. I would say, yeah, that is a really good question. Like try and find something that not everybody is doing. I guess that's a good, a good answer. My problem like, there's too. this band in that realm, sorry oh, to cut you off, is that a lot of people now I, I come from a band that does like genre mash a lot. The Browning has deathcore, it has hip hop parts, has freaking dance parts, has all this crap. But I feel like a lot of people use it and use certain like genre mashing aspects in a very gimmicky way. We're like, they're like, oh no, we're deathcore, but we also have random jazz sections. Like, it can be weird. Like, I feel like there needs to be more of like a seamless meld to be able to genre mash in a way that's cohesive, but makes you, you yes. I think that's a, that you just brought up something really good point. So like, I think what happened with Deathcore is a lot of it is way too serious now. Like everybody takes Uh, themselves so serious now. And I think what really made a lot of the charm, at least for me, when I was listening to Deathcore back in the early two thousands was all the sound clips and all the silly heavy parts that were just stupid heavy to be stupid heavy. And I think like everybody got so focused on trying to be a big band and trying to like be as serious as possible, like kind of in a, in a sense, like it kind of like hurt it in a sense, if that makes yeah. sense. Like, I feel like everybody just went way too hard and it's just like very like, all right, we have to be serious all the time. Yeah. Um, but like, for example, like something that's not everybody's doing is, Shout out to my friends. Um, there's this band in Florida now that is extremely different from all the bands that are in the scene as far as like the Florida scene goes right now. They're called Tactosa and they sound like old suicide silence. Like they yeah. sound like the cleansing suicide silence. And these are young kids, man. These are like 19, 20 year old kids that are just ripping, dude. And I think that's another thing that makes them stand out is because like everybody else is playing. I guess you would say, what would you say? Like the newer style of deathcore, where it's just all very like, I don't know. It's just like it doesn't capture me. You know it's what like I mean? Breakdowns I'm, with background ambience is basically what deathcore yes. is now, and super overproduced and super. Yeah. I don't know, but like, it's like when I listen to them, it's like very refreshing. Like I'm like, oh my gosh, like I haven't heard a band like this in a while. Like that's gotten me hyped, like this band does, and they're, you know, like. I don't know if it's their first band, but like it's a pretty damn good effort. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, it's uh, like I said, like I think everybody is so focused on trying to like hop to what's cool and what's popping right now. than just writing something that they think is aggressive and mean, because with Deathcore, it's like, 
if it's not aggressive, it's not mean, it's not delivering on the parts that it needs to be delivered on. It's going to just sound watered down and boring. Yeah. And I want things that are chaotic and surprising as well. Uh, Like an old deathcore and metalcore bands did things that were unexpected. Whereas now a lot of metalcore bands write songs with like three days grace rock structures. Mm -hmm. Yes, I agree. And I want things that are going to catch me off guard and catch me by surprise. Like, like you said, a random sound clip into some crazy breakdown. I wouldn't, wouldn't have expected, you know? And I just think things, I think that it goes into what you said of people take things too seriously. Like don't follow a rock structure. Metal fans don't want a structure like that. The majority of the time. Exactly. And I think, um, it's just like, don't, don't, Ah, God damn. You just, you just ask really good questions. I'm like, Oh, um, I think it's important think- to think about like, even from our perspective of like where we are, like we would be considered, you know, one percenters, you know, like top one percent. Yeah, exactly. Like a lot of people don't get to that level, but even where we are, how can we innovate our own music to yes. still catch people? How do you can- Exactly. How do you continue to gain the hype and to hold it? Because hype is a very interesting thing. Hype can be, hype is very spontaneously given. (laughs) It's like, you can never (laughs) tell when you're like, okay, are we going to hype or what's happening? Um, And then hype is also a very easy thing to lose. Very much. Like if you are not, if you are not on top of it, people will immediately forget about you and move on to the next thing. Yeah. Um, I think uh, the best, I've, I've given this this uh, advice as well to a couple bands that I um, work with and or just like talk with is that uh, if you don't catch somebody in the first 30 seconds to mm-hmm. a minute, they're skipping to the next song on Spotify, baby. Oh, for sure. You know what I'm saying? Like if you don't have something that's immediately going to hook somebody and catch them and go, whoa. I really like this. They're going to immediately move on to the next band. And that's, that's something that a lot of bands fail to immediately grasp. You know what I'm saying? And like, I don't know if that's a matter of experience with writing music or if it's just, if you have it, you have it. I'm not really too sure on that one, you know? Well, I, th- I think that you're hundred percent right. You have to do something unique that grabs people's attention, but also within your own music, I think that you, uh, it was the guitars from stick to your guns. We did a tour with them forever ago. And he brought up to me that even like within your own songs, within the first two seconds, um, literally immediately your fans should be able to determine what song you're about to play. Like, there should be something immediate that triggers something that your fans are like, yes, I know this one, uh, because that yes. means that you're doing unique things across your albums to be able to keep people's interest rather than the same thing over and over and over again. Yes. So like what we did with like heavy void to try and counteract that was like, we did the stuff on heavy void and like, you know, um, we wanted to write what we wanted to, but then with bleed abide, we were like, you know, we're going to lean even more into the, the classic 2010, like King conquer Molotov sound, because like we already kind of were going into that sound with heavy void, but with bleed abide, we were like, we're just going to try and lean more into it to where people are like, yeah, this is body snatcher, but now it's like on steroids. Yeah. And then like, we're going to have the deep 
emotional like lyrics, but now we're going to like be even more personal and it's going to be like, Oh, that's a, <laughs> that's a toughy one to talk about, dude. I don't know about that one. Like so, some of the songs on there are like, Oh, <laughs> so how do you think it, um, lines up with bands like lyrical content over music content? Um, see, so you can write a heavy song and your band can be extremely, extremely heavy, like as far as instrumentally, but like, is that song going to be the one that you're going to remember 15 years from then? Yeah. Or are you going to remember the song that actually has something that's worth a shit? <laughs> yeah. Like, are you going to remember the one that's about, you know, like, Oh my God. Like, like, let's say for instance, like, uh, this is an example with our band or whatever. So for instance, like, did you, did you lose a parent to a horrible disease? And is that song going to be something that's going to reach people? And they're going to be like, wow, I went through that same thing. And like 10 years from now, when they listen to that song, is it still going to invoke that emotion? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, if it's just a song about like, I'm angry and I'm going to beat somebody up. Like there's a million songs about that. Yeah. But what's really matters is like, if it's actually the subject matter is like worth a shit, because then you're going to go back to it because people are going to go back to it. And you know what I mean? Like that's, what's going to keep somebody coming back. You know what I mean? Like obviously writing heavy music is fun and I love hearing slam riffs and breakdowns. I love that. I live for it, but you know, it's like, I always listen to bands that I can relate to that. Yeah. That's what I listen to even 10 to 15 years later. Like I listen to shit that like, obviously, you know, I'll throw on the old Rose funeral because I love that band. Those are also my friends. Shout out to Rose funeral. But, uh, like what, what am I going to get from singing about God not existing? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like that's yeah. like, I like that's, there's nothing like, there is nothing for me to be like, wow, that really touched me. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> you know what I mean? As far as like, you know, like something about my friends or something like that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, or like, you know, losing a family member or like something that I can listen to and be like, yeah. wow, like I relate to that. I went through that. And that's why like, I enjoy a lot of our songs lyrically or just like we write about stuff like that. It's Cause like I, I am that I, I was that kid in high school. You know what I mean? I was listening to bands like that, looking for stuff like that as well. So it's yep. like to think that my band would even help anybody like in that sort of sense is like, it's, it's a cool feeling. You know what I mean? And I, I want to just continue doing it and write heavy breakdowns. <laughs> what do you think is the most like overdone corny talk that matter that gets brought up way too much in metal? what do you mean like as far as like lyrical content oh dude i mean we already got past the kill your girlfriend thing like 10 years <laughs> ago that that was already we're surely she's dead already <laughs> we, we we don't have to be doing that anymore guys Definitely. but um <laughs> uh i think um geez i don't know man like i think another one is like i said like um uh, I, I think mean, the God I stuff think, is overdone. Yeah, I think the anti-God stuff is pretty. We're we're pretty much done with that already. It's like, all right, guys, we we get it. It's done. <laughs> I get it. It's you know, like is that was uh, you know, like don't get me wrong. Like I love music like that, but I think we've also 
we've been doing this already for 15 years. Like, it's like, all right, it's getting a little tired. <laughs> Do but, you think that in the modern and I, I don't talk political stuff ever on podcasts, but do you think that in the modern world, how politically driven pretty much everyone has become? Do you think that it's going to get a little annoying with how many politically driven lyrics there are? Uh, I mean, I think heavy music has always kind of been yes. it, like it's always kind of had that thing involved with it. But I mean, I, it's hard to say, man. Like, I think we're not really going to know until like 10 years from now. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I, I think that's one of those things. Like, it's the same thing with the whole, like, old deathcore thing where it's like the kill your girlfriend shit. Like, we literally, like, now that it's 12 years later, we're like, all right, guys. Yeah. Enough is enough. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think it's one of those things where it's like, I can only tell in five, six years where I'm like, all right, guys, we've, we've beaten that horse. It's done. Yeah. But, um, I mean, I think, honestly, I think the lyrical content like I said, I think what trumps all of it and what's always going to make your band have a longer longevity is if you just are real, man. If you just like write about stuff that you think matters. And I mean, not that politics or whatever doesn't matter to you or anything like that, but something that somebody can like grasp onto and actually like relate to and listen to in yeah. their car and be like, damn, like that actually touched me. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. that's what's gonna that's what's gonna make your band have longer longevity than just writing a balls heavy song. Which I mean, in the same token, like people do love heavy, ignorant shit as well. Like I mean, you know, one of our top songs is literally uh, an ang angry beat up somebody song, like King of the Rats. Like that's literally just like hatred. But you know, like you, there's there's always a good balance, I think. And uh, as long as you have something that people will always remember and stick to as far as like stuff that fans and friends and stuff can relate to you're you're gonna have your longevity i think yeah and how do you feel about stuff like um so like you just ordered dying fetus um they said that they made their name dying fetus just because that was the most offensive thing that they <laughs> could think of like they were like uh, yeah. we want to have the most offensive name so that's it uh that is so, pretty offensive yeah yeah and so I think that uh, I think that with corny, really like gory, maybe don't have a meaning, but it's just heavy. I think that if it's kind of a gimmick, then it's fine. Right. I think I think if it's like <laughs> I'm not trying to have anybody in like their car like listening to this like wow Kyle doesn't like anything like no I really <laughs> I I'm a huge fan of MySpace Deathcore that is like yeah. my bread and butter like I love MySpace Deathcore I'm just looking at it from a perspective of what's like 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 an advice giver you know what I'm saying yeah. like I love that sort of music don't get me wrong it's I think it's just um as far as like like band like rose funeral like they were built on the whole like upside down cross stuff like that was their thing yeah. so i think if your band is like really leaning into it then like it's obviously fine but i think as far as like i don't know it's just like there's always going to be the exception of like certain bands where it works for them and other bands it just doesn't work you know I think you have to find that. I think you have to find the balance. That's a, that's if that's a good way of putting it. I think you need to find the balance. Uh, 
how important do you think music videos are? Like if a band was going to be trying to do the right thing to put themselves into a higher level, is paying for a $10,000 music video worth that investment? Damn, dude, you're right. You, you asked really good questions. Wow. <laughs> um, I would say... I would say investing in your in your band is the most important thing that you can do, period. Like overall, like not even just a music video, just like actually putting in money to your band and actually going and investing in a producer that is worth a shit and can make your band sound fantastic on top of actually putting money into a music video with somebody that knows what they're doing is going to benefit you so much more than taking the shortcut and not doing that. Because the thing is, like I said, presentation as far as like the way that people look at your band is so important now because there are so many bands that you're going to be competing with that let's say you, for instance, you dump 800 bucks into a music video and it ends up going, eh, it's kind of okay, right? Yeah. Now, do you think you, even if it's a great song, do you think that it is going to compete well against somebody that dumped $5,000 into their music video that has props and crazy effects and you look like rock stars and the video looks insane or shot with a $30,000 camera? Do Do you think that that is going to not go over well you know what i mean like it's gonna go over better because they invested more and that there's more effort and the thing is is that people know when you cheap out (laughs) that's that's one thing that i've really learned about being in a band is that people know when you're being a cheap ass don't be a cheap ass you need to (laughs) you need to actually like be like okay we care about our craft we care about our band and obviously like if you're gonna not take it as seriously or if you want to just play local shows and you don't really want to like be a touring band that's completely fine like nobody's you know you know what i mean like nobody's forcing anybody to do anything like that but if you actually want to go somewhere and you want to succeed and be a professional like you have to hold yourself to something you have to hold yourself to a standard. You can't just not do that. Like it's, it's not going to just get handed to you. Like that's a very rare thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's very, that's like a million, a one in a million chance. Like I would be, I would be like, if I were to bet money on that, I might as well go to the, the local Seven Eleven and go buy some lottery tickets for the <laughs> Florida lottery, because I'm more, more likely to win that than to go and immediately blow up off of not putting anything into my bet. You know yeah, what I mean? And I mean, there's a, uh... You know, to me, you don't have to have like an infinite budget to do certain things. It just has to be done in a creative way. Um, And I mean, it's hard for people to to look from an outside perspective at certain things. Like if they were sitting there watching a music video that didn't have them Mm -hmm. in it, and if it didn't have any effort, then they wouldn't watch it. But they have this like, uh, they're like, oh, this is cool because it's me rather than, oh, this is cool because it's cool. You know? Yeah. That makes so, sense too. Yeah, there has to be like a an objective. Like you need to do like a peer review type <laughs> deal. Send it to some people. <laughs> be like, is this cool? And if a couple people are like, it's all right, then it's probably not cool at all. Yeah, you you have to like I said, like there's balances in everything. Obviously, like yeah. 
don't take me for my word is completely like, okay, well, Kyle Medina said this. So we literally have to do this. Like, this is just like, like I ate shit for so long with my band that (laughs) I've done a lot of things that were, um, I don't know. Like you learn as you go. Like, you know what I mean? Like uh, if you don't have somebody telling you what's the good moves right off the bat, like you're obviously, it's like riding a bike. You have to kind of like get the hang of it and go, okay, well this worked and this didn't work. Okay. Well let's do this next time because this didn't work last time. You know what I mean? So it's like, I think that one of the things that I definitely have learned is that like, uh, when you when you hold yourself to a certain standard or you want to be taken seriously, if you take yourself seriously, other people will take you seriously. Yeah. If you don't take yourself seriously, then people are going to think you're not taking yourself seriously. Like it's just it's all about um, what's the word? Uh, I'm having a brain fart. Uh, the it's the um, dang, I can't think of the word. Um, the it's not, I keep wanting to say it's the, um, you know, it's like when somebody, the, the, the perception, the perception, yeah. when you have the perception that you care, then people are going to go, okay, this guy cares. Mm-hmm. If you're, if you're not caring, then people are going to go, why should I take this guy seriously? He doesn't even take himself seriously. Right. You know, like I had a friend and this is obviously I'm not going to name any names, but I had a friend that had a joke band, right? He had a joke band that played shows and then he had a serious band. So they were both existing at the same time. They were coexisting with each other. Right. So he, his serious band was extremely, extremely good. They were extremely heavy. They were very good for being a young band. And then his joke band was obviously they could play their instruments, but they were just like, eh, like it's like, it's a joke band. Like I, I can't take them so seriously. They've got a dumb name. They, you know what I mean? Like it, they same. don't take themselves so seriously. What? I said same. So there That's was that name. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. You guys do have a silly name, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. But like, I feel like you guys have also like kind of already, you guys have already proved that you're not going anywhere. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you guys have been around for so long, but I remember this kid. I remember I won't ever forget it because he asked me on a show. He pulled me aside. He said, Hey, can I ask you a question? I was like, yeah, man, what's up? He's like, well, like I want to be taken seriously and no one's taking my, my band, my main band seriously. Like why, why are we not, why are we not going anywhere? Like we're, we're doing all the right things. We went and recorded with a really good person. We, you know, we did all this, we did that. And like, nobody is taking us seriously. Like these agents and these managers don't want to give us the time of the day. And I was like, well, are you, what, what do you think could be affecting that? And he was like, I have no idea. And I'm like, well, you play in a joke band and you also advertise that joke band. Um, you, you could be advertising it a little bit less. Yeah. And he was like, oh, And I'm like, well, look at it this way. If somebody that is extremely professional and wants to work with professional bands, are they going to be, you know what I mean? Like, do they think you're being serious if you're playing shows every single weekend with your joke band (laughs) instead of playing one, one show a month with your real band? Right. And he was like, oh yeah, I guess that makes sense. And I'm like, if you want to be taken seriously, you need to give the perception that you're serious about this. 
Yeah. And so the joke band ended up breaking up. And as soon as that joke band broke up, his actual band started taking off. Yeah. And I mean, even spreading yourself too thin. You know. Exactly. Like you, you, if you're in 10 bands, obviously there's a rare breed. There's people that can play in 10 bands and make it work. But it's like, if you're not dedicating the time and the effort into what you want your product to be, it's, it's, you can't have your cake and eat it too. You know what right. I mean? Like you gotta, you gotta have your priorities and do what you want to, you gotta put in the, the, the work to make it work and whatnot. So, yeah, but and I agree. I don't know. Then, then there's bands like, you know, like my friends and arsonists get all the girls and that band's been a band for 15 years and they're a joke band. <laughs> yeah. Well, the you thing know what is, I mean? there's a thing of being a joke and then there's a thing of being like having a gimmick. I think there's a difference in a niche. Like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. You could be super serious and you can be considered a joke. You know, that's true. That's very true as well. I think it all comes down to how you present yourself. And if you think that your band is silly and you're like, okay, we're going to be silly. Then people will go, okay, that band's a silly band. But like, obviously like there's, there's always, God, it's so hard to say because it's like, there's always exceptions to certain things. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's so it's so weird. It's it's strange, man. The music industry is a strange thing. <laughs> yeah, and there's also, no um, there's no like cheat code. There's no like guaranteed way. You know, there's anything like that. Um, right. There's bands that are gonna blow up and get popular in ways that we would never think. Like, I mean, I would have never thought people would get so successful off TikTok or something like that. You know? Oh, exactly, man. Yeah. It's uh, it's also an ever evolving thing. The music yeah. industry is as well. It's ever evolving. It's ever changing. The things that are cool and the things that are not cool and the things that get you big and the things that don't get you big are constantly changing. And it's like, especially with people like you and me, where we're at a certain level, it's like you either have to adapt and like keep note of what's changing, or people will be like, "All right, old man, your your time is done. <laughs> I'm getting there. We're gonna we're gonna have this new band." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out the best way to evolve as an old man into still creating stuff that's um, new, and which is crazy because I mean I'm freaking, you know, what 31 now. Like a lot of bands don't even get a break till they're like 35. Yeah, exactly. It's it's that's that's the one thing is like a lot of my friends that are in bands that are still growing. They're just like, well, dude, like how did you get to where you're going or where you're at? I'm like, dude, like it's all there's no time frame on this it's like yep. either you you know what i mean there's no cheat code to it it's just like you gotta consistently put out content and you have to consistently be touring or playing shows or mm-hmm. just like you have to be on top of it or you fall out of that relevancy it's a, well, it's a constant struggle and uh look at spirit box right now spirit box is was i wrestled the bear once and yes. then now they just com- like for me, I feel like it's too late to be able to do something completely rebranded, but they absolutely threw that out, out of the window. They completely scrapped a whole band that was legends in the scene. And then now they are huge, the biggest. Mm-hmm. And it's just because they probably took everything that they had learned from before and applied it properly into this new project and are doing everything correct. Exactly. Yeah. Some people like, like for instance, like my bandmates, um, my bandmates played in other deathcore bands before this. This isn't their first time. Like for instance, Chris, our drummer, he was in like four or five bands 
but they were all the same iteration of King Conquer. Yeah. Like it was just different iteration. Oh, I should say they were all different iterations of King Conquer, but basically that's where he learned about all this stuff and like the music industry and what, mm-hmm. what to do, what not to do. And then when he joined body center, it was like having so much experience to be like, Hey, I already did this. I've already been through this. You know what I mean? Yeah. And same with uh, our bass player. We, he was in a band called float face down from New Jersey for yeah. five years. So he had already been around as well. Like it was like, they were both media scare bands. So they I already just thought had about known. that band the other day. Cause I was They're like, amazing, dude. <laughs> I was <laughs> I was swimming because I swim like three times a day with my daughter where we stay. And um, yeah. I was trying to float on my back, um, but the sun was really bright. And I was like, what if I just float face down? And I was like, wait, as a band. Yeah, that band was fucking awesome, dude. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I don't regret anything. I think I think bad things as far as like some booty things that we might have made, like moves that weren't the best or like maybe things that could have gone better happened in a way where, you know, um, learning experiences as far as like your band growing are like, it, it's always going to be beneficial because then once you, once you kind of stumble, you learn, you know what I mean? You're like, all yeah. right, let's not do that again. We already know how that went last time. <laughs> yep. You know what I mean? So I'm kind of, I, I don't really regret anything for the most part. Like it's all, um, I'm happy where the band is. I'm very, 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 very stoked for the future. And I think that, um, I don't know. I just, I guess the best advice would be to, to just remember that you're always having fun. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think the, the main thing for everybody to remember, especially when you're playing music is music is supposed to be fun. You're not yeah. supposed to hate it. The yeah, second and- that you hate it, you know, it's not, is it worth it? You know what I mean? Yeah. The and also, no, it's not going to be as easy as you think. No, no. <laughs> definitely not, man. I think uh, people get this weird, they not, not that they get this weird perception, but like, I think people think that you and me or just like anybody of our, any of our peers that like, we, the, this is all fun in games and that this isn't hard shit to do. Cause it is hard, man. Like, yeah, you know, people have this this perception of touring where they think that it's all it's all smooth sailing and it's partying the whole time. And it's like there's a lot of downtime in, in between everything. Like, yeah, there's a lot of stuff you got to constantly hurdle over. And it's 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 a very it's a demanding thing. But what makes it worth it is getting on stage and ripping that fat breakdown and being like. <laughs> Hell yeah. You know, you look at everybody and everybody's having fun and you're having fun. That's, I think that's what really makes it worth it. One of my favorite things is there's always like a a song or two where this happens, where you have that one breakdown that whenever it hits and it's like quiet enough in between like chugs that you hear a crowd go like, woo or something like that. Oh, it's my favorite. I love it. That's the best feeling. It is the best feeling. I think the, the, one of the best I think the best, most euphoric feeling ever from playing shows, like the my favorite part when we're playing is when I put my hand up and I'll put horns or I'll put like a thumbs up or whatever. And the lights, like the house lights will come on and you just see everybody doing it back to you. It's like <laughs> yeah. the craziest, awesomest feeling ever. It's like indescribable. Yeah. Like. It, like shows playing a show 
it makes all the stress and like the bad it make it makes it all worth it like it rocks like i would never trade it for anything like even despite me doing dumb shit when i was younger if, if yeah. as far as like oh we shouldn't play this show or we should do this or we should do that like you know what i mean like it makes all that shit so worth it like yep. all the struggle and all the eating of the shit like it makes it so worth it it's it really is much stru- more stressful than people think i mean i i don't know if you have this because i don't really talk to much to people about this much but i have only one nightmare that i have like while i'm sleeping i don't have like nightmares about people trying to kill me the only nightmare i have is being on stage and stuff going wrong yeah you have that i have the same thing dude i literally my my the scariest nightmare ever for me is not being able to to perform anymore yeah not being able to sing at all yeah like that that like i don't have nightmares about crazy shit like maybe i will like every once in a while i'll have some crazy alien yeah. nightmare or something but like i never like that is like the one that's the most stressful where it's like we play in front of a thousand fucking people and yeah. i can't play <laughs> mine the one that i have like, all the time i have two things in my dreams that happen one i don't know the lyrics to the song that's being played and then two uh like obviously something just not working and we have to stop but then i do have a third one where everything feels super off time it feels like i'm like bouncing on a trampoline and i can't get on beat like oh that's, my gosh those are the nightmares that i have oh my gosh it's weird that is oof i've definitely had a few where it's literally just like i can't sing like we go yeah. on stage and like i just i'm like ah, and i can't sing at all <laughs> that's like i think that's a big one a big fear yeah so See, i mean but that's how you know that's that's how you know that it's important to you true you know that's that's how you know that this is something that you love and that you want to do for a long long time is that right. if you can't if that's your biggest worry then that's <laughs> that's it <laughs> it's pretty good <laughs> yeah oh, well uh you guys got a lot of crap coming up it's good to see someone out there full time doing this right now at the level that we're at. Obviously huge bands are going to be out there doing their thing. Cause they're making jillions of dollars. It's nice to see a good medium tier band out there growing and grinding and doing it right now. So it's hopeful. Uh, what you guys are doing makes it more hopeful for everybody else in the scene. So I appreciate of course. it. We, we try to be friends with everybody. We love everybody. Like I just want, I'm here for a good time. And uh, I'm rooting for everybody. So I hope yeah. that if my words can even help anybody <laughs> whatsoever grow their band or like to be like, wow, like what well, he said kind of made sense, then I'm, I'm glad I'm, I'm here for it. You know what I mean? Perfect. Well, I appreciate you talking to me. Everyone course, get up on Body Snatcher stuff. They're announcing some tours coming out here soon. So go out, see him because live music is where this stuff thrives, especially music like Body Snatcher. So go check them out live, 100%. Thank you, bro. Thank you, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah, I'll talk to you here soon. I think the I think me and you met once. It was in Buffalo. At a, oh my like gosh. A, do you remember this? It was like a pizza <laughs> restaurant or wings or something like that. Just I forever think ago. so, dude. In it was, Buffalo. It had to have been like oh. 20 years ago. Maybe 30. Uh, 
freaking forever ago probably then <laughs> yes <laughs> but yeah but uh i appreciate you having me and i appreciate hanging out it was fun talking about music i love to talk about i just love talking about all this stuff i it's it's uh obviously a big part of our lives so i enjoy i enjoy talking about it and obviously we're friends so thank you Best for friends. having me <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I'll talk to you here soon. I'm going to send you some of my MySpace Slam project. Yes, definitely do. <laughs> All right, peace out, dude. All right, peace, buddy. Right. <laughs>